From Relay FM, this is Download, recorded Thursday, March 14th, 2019. This is episode 95, Game of Thrones with Slide Rules. Welcome back to Download, where we cover the most interesting technology stories of the week. I am Jason Snell. I am not joined by my co-host, Stephen Hackett. He is on assignment. And by that, I mean I assigned him to go on vacation with his family. Um, But joining me are two of our very favorite guests uh, to help out, since it's just me holding down the desk here. Uh, Lisa Schmeiser is back. Hi, Lisa. Hi there. It's good to have you back. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Post-RSA, it's nice to be here. Ah, yes. Yes, very much so. Uh, And Carolina Milanese is also here. Hello. Hello. Uh, Good to have you two. Uh, And good to have you two together. I know. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) It's all good. It's good. Um, Okay, so we might as well get down to it. That's why we're all here talking about the uh, biggest technology stories of the week, uh, as uh, determined by me this week, and also as determined by Carolina, who mentioned a story that she wanted to talk about. And I was like, yep, that's a big story. Great. We'll do that, Mm -hmm. too, because it's... uh, Sure, I'm flexible, and Stephen wasn't here to suggest uh, stories, uh, so I, I'm taking them from anybody who will offer them. I, I well, gotta... he's all interconnected too now. After I suggested something else happened, so it makes it all relevant, right? It's all that's a sign of a story that is an interesting, important story. Is that as after we decide we're going to talk about it, it keeps on happening. That's a that's mm-hmm. always a good sign. <laughs> always a good sign. All right, um, let us start with our first topic, which is something that I'm calling regulating the tech giants. Um, Elizabeth Warren, presidential candidate, has been talking about uh, her desire to break up uh, large tech companies. And she was at South by Southwest, where Neelay Patel from The Verge was able to pin her down and get her to talk in some detail about Apple. And she was like, yep, yep, Apple too. Um, I want to I wanna do something with the App Store and have them not have an App Store or not have apps or something like that, which um, led to some conversation about sort of like, if, if her plan... Uh, is good on the top level and if it falls apart on the details and uh, ben thompson over at stratechery wrote a piece called where warren's wrong which was interestingly sort of like agreed on the general idea and disagreed on the specifics um, especially about like the right the right issues to deal with uh with apple and then something else happened involving uh, apple and its business practices and it, you know we've <laughs> talked about regulating facebook in the past here in google so there's a lot of that this is i think one of these um conversations where the tech industry and and uh government forces are uh, coalescing and th- it feels like this is going to be happening uh for a while we're going to be having these conversations but why don't we start at the top with sort of elizabeth warren's idea here that we need to break up these big companies they're too big and uh and and we need to you know government needs to come in and regulate and then you know definitely she's facing some pushback on the details too carolina do you have any initial thoughts about this whole you know story yeah thoughts of confusion to be honest uh reading her uh, memo i guess uh lots of memos this week as well um because i it seemed, apart from the, and I love to hear Lisa about this because, um, <laughs> has, as Ben very masterfully explains in, in his piece that you refer to, um, she got it wrong as far as Microsoft and Google and, and, and Bing and, and search. Um, 
quite a bit wrong, actually. But what confused me was her reasoning. And there's a lot of things that are wrong and I think need uh, or call for more scrutiny when it comes to big tech. But selling your your own apps or your own product within uh, a marketplace being Amazon.com or the App Store, I don't think is the most pressing one. And it seemed that that's what she decided to pick on. Um, and so the idea that if Amazon wants to have Amazon.com, they shouldn't sell their own products because then they are being anti-competitive because they can do things differently than, than the fur parties that are selling. Same thing with, with Apple and the store. And, uh, you know, interestingly, I think from a timing perspective that Spotify decided to pick on that mm-hmm. one with the EU this week. Um, but I think there are bigger things that, uh, you know, that she or, or they as the government should be more concerned about when it comes to, uh, the, the big organization. And I think that we've been talking about this for what a year and a half now, almost it feels like, uh, with, with Facebook and data and Google. And so, you know, the, the level of data that these companies have access to and how we use that data, um, that others cannot have access to. And so if you look at it from a uh, a competition perspective, it's more about, okay, well, if you're trying to get into a business, can you really compete when you don't have all the data than these guys have? Um, you know, can you, do you know about me, you know, little store in New Hampshire that is trying to sell me something over the internet uh, as much as Facebook and Google do? I doubt it. So I want to start with, I did an interview with a security professional at RSA last week. And because we were talking, he works, this this person works primarily inside the Beltway on uh, federal contracts. And uh, his, his team goes in and basically tries to break security systems. And at one point, I turned off the recorder and said, between you and I, Exactly how many people in Congress understand the tech landscape today and understand the nature of computing and how these platforms work? And he was, he, he like rattled off four, four names and was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And I said, well, what about staffers? And he's like, I, I, he's like, I don't think you understand. Um, there's a people who are congressional staffers or who work in politics have a really specific set of skills. They don't have in their skills arsenal a lot of um, tech background because they haven't needed it until now. And um, I use that pretty much as the beginning of my understanding for any federal level attempt to regulate technology because you know i i i agree i agree with ben thompson when he's like look if you don't understand the tech trying to regulate it is is a fool's errand Mm. um and while part of me is like oh you got hung up over the launch date on bing really the other part of me is like (laughs) yeah if you can't be if you can't be trusted to get those details right and you're using those and you're using those details to read a situation what else are you missing um that said Moving back one or two steps to look at the landscape as a whole, um, one of the things that's confusing me is um, with almost everything I've read, there's 
this idea that there are two wildly incompatible models for antitrust regulation. There's the consumer model, which is really focused on consumer pricing. Um, the U.S. model, which is focused on consumer pricing. Um, as we understand it, most U.S. antitrust uh, enforcement successful suits have been focused on how this affects the end consumer. And historically, European antitrust, this is my understanding, is focused on preserving a competitive marketplace. And what makes Warren's proposal semi-radical is what she's saying is um, the Fong companies have effectively decimated several competitive landscapes by becoming too big to fail, or rather they're they're dominating to the point where com- competition can't arise. So, uh, everyone's like, well, you know, she's shifting from one to the other. And my question is, why can't we do both? Mm. <laughs> um, you know, the you could argue that a consumer experience or consumer prices are a direct result of how a marketplace shapes up. So why wouldn't you try to, to synthesize those perspectives? And nobody has um, explained adequately why Warren's approach is being treated as an either-or situation. So I'm still a little confused. That said, I wonder a lot about the timing of this. I feel like um, it's in reaction to a lot of the Facebook revelations and into Twitter, especially. And and given Twitter's management recently, I, I wonder if this is just, well, we can't we can't tell these two sites stop being stupid. So we're just going to <laughs> take a look at the tech industry as a whole. Um, and there seems to be a popular argument building for it. I mean, did you, you guys all read that fantastic Gizmodo series by Cashmere Hill, right? Where she tries to give up Facebook, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple for a week each time. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, the lesson that we got there was that, at this point, if you're Amazon or you're Google, you've woven yourself into people's lives so thoroughly that it's difficult to, to disentangle and disengage. I feel like that might but, add some popular sentiment to it, but I don't know if that's like necessarily a good legal or business argument. I agree with you about the sentiment, but I'm concerned that we might be wanted to look at this as one thing, because it's not, right? So the power that social media has... And what we've seen as far as manipulating um, popular thinking and, uh, you know, interfering with uh, political results and uh, is very different than, you know, a, a store or the, the you know, pre-installing apps on a, on a phone or whatever it is the case, right? So that's why when, when, I don't know when I when I read about one size fit all kind of solution, I get mm. concerned because to yeah. your very point about not understanding, you don't understand. You make it all sound the same. You're coming up with a solution that just is not going to be right. I feel like there's a really good case to be made for looking at Amazon and its anti-competitive practices. I do, um, in ter- especially from a retail level. They remind me of nobody so much as Walmart in the early oddies in terms of the way they're squeezing suppliers. They're um, changing. The, uh, there was a story last week where um, Amazon is now moving an increasing number of their um, third-party retailers to the Amazon marketplace so that they can promote their own brands uh, 
I'm trying to remember the details and it's not coming to me right away. But the upshot is that a lot of small businesses, especially wholesalers that have had Amazon as their primary means of finding customers and selling things are losing access to search engine placement tools and and things that could make or break their business. Um, so and, and again, it reminds me a whole lot of Walmart. And especially there was that story that Fast Company wrote, oh, God, it was like 15 years ago, I think, where they talked about a pickle supplier and Walmart was like, well, you can either make them to our you can either jar things to our specifications at the price point that we ask for, or you cannot sell pickles in Walmart. And this company looked and was like, well, we could either lose all of our business or we could take a bath on this business. What, what are our choices here? And that's a that's a great example. Walmart of and Amazon is like this too of of gauging consumer comfort isn't the end all be all because consumers will choose lots of things that are ultimately bad for markets and competitiveness right. and for yeah. and and will push because it's awfully convenient to have a single store with cheap prices and all of that but then you you're left with a monoculture which is super dangerous and the same can go for Amazon and and there yeah. are a lot, I think Ben Thompson listed some other examples where sure I mean consumers weren't going to choose um, unleaded gas or airbags in cars either right but, but they the gov- got government them, said yeah. no you actually this will save your life. You may not choose it, but you you need to have this, and that you for safety reasons, and and for kind of like a robust, uh, you know, uh, overall uh, market, right? And and mm-hmm. that's that comes back to the one size not fitting all, and that there are lots tech. We talk about tech, right? But it, it's not a solution because Amazon is maybe more like Walmart, and what mm-hmm. Facebook is doing and Facebook's purchases of all of its potential competitors is is different than yeah. than Google, which uh, is coupling its uh, initial kind of brilliance in terms of figuring out internet ad sales and then yeah. using that as leverage to reach other places. They're all different stories. I also feel like going back to the Microsoft antitrust story and using that as your example is historically inaccurate or blind in a couple ways. Uh, um, because one, that decision got overturned on appeal. So it wasn't exactly the most legally, it, it didn't set precedent other than, oh, the government took a technology company to court, won a round, and then lost in a successive round. Um, and then the second thing is when you think about it, the whole suit was like, oh, we think it's terrible that Internet Explorer is bundled in with Windows 95. <laughs> and that was kind of a fundamental misreading of, again, how technology works. So, you know, if you're, if you're citing micro, if you're citing the Microsoft antitrust case as anything other than, oh, this is a great example of of what you shouldn't do. Um, This is where you get started. I I do also wonder if, um, you know, obviously the EU has been looking at antitrust for for a while and and they have come with some strong decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a a different play, I feel. And, And, you know, I don't look at this in a great deal of detail. So I my impression might be uh, wrong, but there's a difference when is the European Union. So there's you know there's a a, a body uh, across mm-hmm. different countries that is at some level, not entirely, of course, but apolitical, right? And somebody who's putting it on the agenda when he or she is running for president. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I think that that making this an issue if you're elected as president a president uh, president mm-hmm. even um 
it's not the right way to go about it. I think there should be an independent, somewhat independent body mm -hmm. so that money doesn't come into place, so that it's not like, you know, people are getting, and this can go with, you know, for gun control and everything else, you know, mm -hmm. lobbies are lobbies. But it seems that, you know, DEU, just because of how it's set up, is maybe a step or two removed from mm -hmm. having that kind of influence play a play in, in the decision. Let's bring in so Spotify this week, as as we've kind of referenced, did bring, is bringing a complaint to the EU about Apple's practices, uh, specifically its thirty percent that it takes and its rules that you can't make reference to the fact that you offer uh, features outside of Apple's world on the web inside your apps. And this has been these have been rules that have been around a while. Mm -hmm. I wrote a piece about this that I'll put in the show notes at Tom's Guide about this. Um, and I, you know, my feeling is surprise, surprise that they that Spotify makes some solid points and also makes some points that I think push the bounds of reality. Because in the end, Spotify just wants to make more money here, but uh, it, it's also true. And I feel like this, if if we after having said one size doesn't fit all, which we've said here, the one thing that I think is clearly happening, which sets off all of my alarm bells in terms of what I was always taught about what a sign of antitrust, a sign of 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 a, a monopolistic behavior. Mm -hmm. is is the pa the pattern of using your power in one area to make a uh, market unfair and Spotify's argument there is fairly strong and I, I although I actually think that Amazon's argument is stronger which mm -hmm. is Apple has competitive products and they charge a 30% uh, fee to everybody but themselves mm -hmm. and and if you're in a low margin business like ebooks or digital comics or something like that you can't you literally can't be in business and use Apple's system but Apple's in that business and Apple doesn't have to pay itself and likewise with Spotify Spotify has more margins than that but Spotify doesn't like the idea of paying 30% to Apple for something that Apple Music pays nothing for and it creates mm -hmm. this imbalance and I think on that on that front Spotify has a point and Apple's rules are such that basically if you're going to be in Apple's system you can't even elude elude to the fact that you have some other um, uh, some other other way to do it and it's consumer hostile in a way that if you've ever <laughs> if you've ever clicked on a link for an ebook a oh, Kindle book on an Kindle iOS device it will example. and you have the Amazon app installed you'll see what this does which is it launches the Amazon app realizes it's an ebook link and redirects you back to a web page out of the app mm -hmm. because it literally is not allowed to show you digital goods because otherwise they would have to use Apple's uh, payment system and cut Apple in for 30%. And they, they can't do that without losing money on every transaction. And one thing I'd add is that I think it's safe to say everybody on this podcast and a lot of people listening to this podcast understand that the reason you have your kin, the, the reason that it the experience is what it is, where you've got your Kindle, and you've got your website, if you want to buy another ebook, uh, we're like, yeah, it's, it's because of Apple's App Store rules. And the but how many consumers understand this? And how many of them are just like, Kindle sucks, or, or they're mm. like, it's dumb that I can't do XYZ. It is a way to um, make the experience a little bit less seamless, sure. and, yeah. and, and, and dent the brand a little bit, not to the point where they suffer significantly. But um it, it's still a way to diminish the brand experience. And if you're Amazon or you're Spotify, you're not going to be happy about that either. 
But but even if you don't think that you know Kindle sucks, convenience is what wins, right? And exactly. So yeah. That is as simple as that. Yeah. But I I do think that there's a you know the the thirty percent discussion has been going on for a long time for developers too, right? For, for and, almost and ten I, years now, <laughs> right? But I think there's a difference um, between an app and a service, right? Because that's what you're talking about, right? So there's there's value in the app store i i think that everybody agrees with that everybody agrees that apple puts work in maintaining the stores and the apis and what it takes for you to be able to um you know get those apps and services to the market in the same way as retail have value if you have a better store a clean store you know pleasant employees it, you know you're going to get more people go there and that's what it used to be in the golden days. Plus the functionally, mm-hmm. the, the frictionless experience of if you've already got an Apple ID and a credit card, it's a couple of buttons and you can buy anything you Correct. want. That That yeah. is that is fundamentally a value that makes makes you more likely to spend money on to whatever. Spend money. Well, look at the Look at the experience with Amazon's revenue once they implemented one-click ordering. Yeah, exactly. So it's all part of it, yeah. And But the, the thing with the service is that I, in my view... It is um, harder for Apple to defend that they they get they need that thirty percent for the same thing. Do you, you know what I mean? Like there there are going to be less updates to the app, and and the content is what I'm subscribing to, mm-hmm. and and I, I don't know. I struggle with treating everything in the App Store the same as far as the cut that. Apple, um, that's actually, you know, the percentage that they should take for the work that they put into the store. And I think there's also a difference. I remember at the very beginning of the store, DFT was the first one that said, sorry, we're not going to do this. We're not going to give you a chunk of money for content that we spend money on because we pay the reporters, we put the, you know, the work in. So we're going to do the subscription out uh, outside um how long did that last you know it they tried right and and i think if you're a smaller service provider or or app developer is even harder right because it's like where do you go now it, this is the 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 only way it's interesting though because google doesn't come in that conversation right for spotify <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, they take a cut too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, which is not saying that because Google has the same uh, kind of business model what from a store perspective, uh, Apple gets off the hook. But you can see where I think Spotify is hurting. Uh, Spotify is default for Android. I, I, you know, they have the, the bulk of the, of a share there. So, but well, you know, they're not concerned about YouTube music. It doesn't look like. So um, I, I think the other part is not just they want to make more money, but that's why I was saying on Twitter, the timing is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to get the new service, the, the video service and, and possibly new service from Apple. How is Apple going to bundle that? How, you know, how much are 
consumers going back to convenience, right? Saying, okay, Spotify is a better service, but look, I'm going to pay a little bit more here and I get Apple Music and, and video. I might as well just do that. It can't be a coincidence that Spotify bundled, uh, announced a Hulu bundling deal Hulu. this yeah. week yeah. as well, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking we've got Apple TV and lately we've been having a thing where um, it automatically logs a set of Netflix, <laughs> the Netflix app on Apple TV. <laughs> you don't really need that, you know, just no, forget no. about <laughs> forget about Netflix. Well, I mean, and, how, how big? Well, it, was a, it was a great illustration, though, where I thought to myself, um, I thought to myself, this is it. We're going to we're going to have fights over who gets on what platform. And at some point, consumers are going to get frustrated because they'll be like, why am I paying for these streaming services if I can't stream them over my Apple TV or I can only access them through a web browser or you, you can uh, or I have to manage four, three or four separate digital libraries because they don't play together nicely. Like I get that companies want to lock you in and uh, keep keep the experience smooth and frictionless and keep you in their silo. Uh, you know, this is something that, that Google does with, with its its apps as well. But how big does the home field advantage need to be? And that's what yeah. I, when I was writing about this yesterday, that's what I kept coming back to is Apple already has an enormous home field advantage on its platform. It is pre-installing its own apps. And I mean, I guess Elizabeth Warren wants to look at that too, but it, it, it's, yeah. it's got podcasts yeah. on there and it's got the music app on there and it's got Apple News. It's got all of these things. The it's TV app books. is on there. Yeah. Does it yeah. need to also basically say, well, we have an open app platform, but you have to, you cannot pretend that there's any else in the world and you can only use our system which is different from google which provides a system that's got all of that kind of like it's easy it's low friction it's uh your users like it so you should probably use it but they don't say you have to use it and you they don't say you cannot pretend uh, you, you have to pretend that there's no other option even though there is and that's that's like that's what apple's strategy right now is is to bo- box everybody else in plus it's already got the platform advantage i feel like it could give up the exclusivity of taking a cut on financial transactions on subscriptions and still have a massive advantage on its own platforms uh, while competing on a little more fair playing field i don't know well, I, I think that I wonder if that's what they're going to end up doing just to get the pressure off them, to right. be honest with you. Uh, because also, if you're thinking about their push into services, integration is their real advantage, right? To, to exactly to your point, I think that a lot of consumers are staying with what comes with the phone and they're happy with that just because of the no friction, because of being lazy because it's convenient, whatever reason, right? Um, But if Apple now is serious about services, it means that they need to look at the service and the device in a different way, right? It's always, it used to be, and it still is, that the price you pay for an iPhone include the services and what Apple is creating and that lack of friction, that superior integration, all of that. Um, and so the service was a mean to an end to the hardware. It cannot be like that anymore if they're serious about being a services company, which means that for from a video po- point of view, I, I'm going to have to be able to like the service, why, you know, whether I am consuming the content on an iPhone or a Samsung TV. 
it shouldn't matter right. to me, right? That's what a true service company does. And, and so, you know, if you're thinking about it that way, and which is what Google does, right? So Google services are great no matter where you are. If you're on an iPhone or, and there are limitations as to what they might be able to do that are imposed by the platform, but they're not self-imposed. Try and use, um, Apple Music on Android. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? It is a very, very different system. Um, and, and not because, you know, on one side, you see what the integrated experience on the iPhone is. But on the other, they couldn't, it, it's not Google's fault. You know, it's not Android's fault. It's a decision that Apple is making. And can they change their approach, which we should probably save because we, we do want to talk a lot more about services and Apple and and how they're changing and what they're doing. And they have a big event that has now been set. Um, let's do that. But first, let me take a break and tell you about our sponsor. Uh, we are sponsored this week by Pingdom. Uh, they are very bright people. Uh, the, the, in fact, Pingdom just came up. Uh, as we started the podcast, Apple announced its dates for its developer conference, which is the first week in June. Um, and uh, one of my friends, uh, actually, you know what? It, I think it was Stephen Hackett, who is on vacation and yet paying attention to the internet, said that he had Pingdom set up, I think, to check Apple's developer sites <laughs> to, to know when WWDC was announced. Uh, this is uh, Pingdom has so many things they can do to keep track of websites, uh, and they keep the, your websites online. They monitor the site so you don't have to. They give you real-time feedback. You'll know exactly what's going on all the time, including, apparently, if Apple has turned on its uh, developer site for WWDC 2019 which just happened uh things break on the internet computers betray you surely if you've used computers you've learned this that computers are uh, mean and awful and betray you that's why pingdom finds more than 13 million outages every month 400,000 a day and so you need to be alerted if your website has issues not just if it's up or down but if key parts of it are working or not they also track and analyze your load uh load time on your website so you can see if you've got a slowdown it's not a you know, down per se, but it's slow and there might be something slowing it down. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. Just give them the URL you want them to monitor. That's it. They take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now. You'll get a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code download at checkout and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for their support of download and all of RelayFM. Now, uh, before we get to our second topic, I want to take a brief break to tell you about a space story that Stephen does doesn't get to weigh in on because he's not here. And it's the story you might have missed, which is <laughs> weird things are happening at NASA. The budget, the administration's NASA budget came out this week as part of the larger budget. There are fascinating things in there. Uh, you can listen to Stevens and my uh, uh, podcast Liftoff, where we talk about the budget push and pull between Congress and the administration that is endlessly going on it's kind of fascinating there's political dynamics where a single uh flip of a single house seat can completely change how funding for the space program works it's a true story um but uh, a little tidbit that i want to mention nasa has been working on something called the space launch system for quite a while now and this is a very expensive rocket that nasa is building that's supposed to take hardware and people to the moon and potentially beyond and uh this week in the middle of a conference uh like a committee uh meeting in Congress, uh, Jim Bridenstine, the NASA administrator, just kind of like 
offhandedly mentioned that they might actually uh, fly their new space capsule Orion on top of a commercial rocket or two instead of SLS, which is theor- like theoretically being built for this purpose. And it's one of those moments where you think, what did, what did he just say? Because they've been <laughs> spending billions of dollars and people have been asking, like, if this rocket is just uh, able to lift roughly what uh, the Delta IV or the Falcon Heavy can lift, do we need it? Um, and the budget uh, from the administration basically said, we're not sure uh, when we want to build the second part of it, the se- the Block 1B, which uh, is would be the largest lift capacity rocket ever built, uh, larger than the Saturn V. Um, so that was like, okay, uh-oh, what does that mean? And then uh, Bridenstine comes out and says, we may not also even use it uh, for this mission. We may just... Uh, tape i don't know glue this uh capsule onto it somebody else's rocket um there are a lot of practical (laughs) issues there because you can't tape it on you have to like do engineering work and uh they probably can't do that in a year but it's just there is i'm told that duct tape is incredibly effective it is wild times at nasa is what i'm saying and i I think uh, it's fascinating to watch because there there are all these political elements to it as well um because for example uh one of the senators from alabama shelby i I want to say is his name is uh that they assemble rockets in, including the sls in alabama and huntsville and uh he is uh very much on guard against cutting funding for building rockets in alabama because he's the senator from alabama and uh so the politics are fascinating too anyway if you thought space stuff was boring and you thought politics stuff was boring you probably are uh, validated now but i find it fascinating because i have no <laughs> idea what is going on at nasa it is amazing so that's a story you may have missed you may not care about it i think it's really wacky um and billions of dollars are at stake okay let's go back to uh tech topics apple's event that sounds so boring it's i know uh, it's like well it's, it's intrigue there's so there's, much junk it's like game of thrones with slide rules i love it's it it's true it's true so so march 25th is officially the date it was already rumored so so in a week and a half for apple's event which Will se- they have a rocket which seems to be about services but we don't know it's showtime they say uh, that's what we know about this event. Everybody seems to think that it will be our first glimpse at Apple's video service, but also reports suggest that they're going to roll out lots of other services. There's a news service. Not getting as much play. There was a report in January, and I have heard through the grapevine uh, from other people that they are Apple is trying to do a uh, basically quote unquote Netflix for games, a game subscription that gives you access to games in the App Store as well. And there may be others. And then if there are that many subscriptions, there may be a bundle as well, so that you can get it all for one price, which would be super convenient because the last thing I want is five uh, different bills from Apple every month. Uh, so Apple, you know, obviously services has, has been something they've been talking about for years now i think i counted i think it's been more than four years since their first uh quarterly report where they had that whole appendix about services revenue and you're like oh uh, i guess this is important to them now so this shouldn't be a surprise although people are constantly surprised by it i don't really understand that uh but this this is going to be a big coming out party it sounds like for apple services including the video service they've been spending uh, more than a billion dollars uh, allegedly uh investing in for the last year and a half uh Carolina, you wanted to talk about this, and I think it's a great time to do it. We're going to be talking about it for the next few weeks. Uh, what do you What are you thinking going into this this event? This is a an Apple event. Feels like unlike any we've seen before. 
Yeah, because uh, it seems like there's not going to be any hardware, and uh, which is the right thing to do because <laughs> you, you want the focus to be on services. I, look, at the end of the day, whatever they're going to announce is going to be a disappointment to me unless Oprah is on stage. <laughs> Oprah in gonna, there? I, I would almost guarantee you. Two, you this is the, the best. One, You're both salty today. The I love one it. celebrity I will guarantee you will be on stage is Oprah. I hope she's so. the only one they've ever admitted that they're in business with. They're in business with dozens yeah. of celebrities, but Can Oprah's the imagine? one that Tim Cook keeps talking about. You reach under your seat, everybody. You get earpods, yeah, and, you and, you get earpods <laughs> and you get earpods, and you get earpods. I'm hoping because I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the event. I I, I think there's a non-zero chance that uh, I will get a car. So that's very exciting. <laughs> I, I bet it's earpods. Um, I bet you're gonna well, get no, actually, a new pair of earpods. Do you think they're going to keep Oprah for when they have the Apple car? No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For me, the the two things that I'm really interested in are how they're going to talk about the services to the point I was making earlier. And the other one is the bundling. And the two are very tightly linked together, right? One is, I think, you know, are you talking about the service in a way where you make it clear that you are the service business, that you this is something separate and you're going to you know look for a way to measure your success and and open it up to uh other platforms not as a um, kind of a crutched experience but really a full experience where i value apple as a service provider the same way as i value apple as a hardware provider and platform provider um so that is is was one part and the other one is um, I totally forgot about the gaming one that tells you where my head is. Yeah, at. nobody remembers um, it, but I, th- I I have it on pretty good authority that it, you know again sources yeah, no, sources it, that it's it's actually happening. I don't know whether it'll happen at this event, but I don't know why it wouldn't. And it makes sense, right? Everybody, yeah, everybody's moving there, and and uh, Google is having an event where they are going to reinvent gaming. So there there's a lot happening in that um, in that. Uh, camp. I I thought when the rumor first came out that it's kind of hard to. I don't know how pricing is going to happen with that with that because there's such a, a disparity as far as um, apps from a gaming perspective prices uh, that I don't know is different on a console. You know the prices are higher and you you have uh, more like a balance as far as what. Uh, what you spend and the, 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 the other part on the gaming specifically, um, that I wonder is how a lot of the revenue of the moment for gaming is not actually coming from the apps, but for, from the in-app purchases. And I tell you, cause my little, um, not earning me a, a billion dollar kid on Twitch, um, is spending all her pocket money on things, you know, jewels and other cheats and Fortnite skins and what have you. So I don't know how they're going to be able to do that part as well. But generally, I think that bundling, to your point, uh, is going to be what people want, especially if you're already embedded in the ecosystem. I, you know, I'm paying for music and I'm paying for um, iCloud. I don't want to start paying for video and news and just give me one price that has mm. everything, which is also a good way for Apple to have a, a lower risk of you going somewhere else, right? Because I might hate music, but I'm staying for news or whatever it is that you find more appealing as a service. And then you end up 
with the subscribers that that stay with you uh, instead of going somewhere else, even if there is a different um, different service coming up in the future or content. I thought it was interesting that there was a, an article that Mark Garman put out this week saying, oh, most of the content is not going to be their own. Well, I wasn't expecting anything different. It's too early. Yeah. And some of the news mm-hmm. that we've seen about how much they're getting involved in said content is, is also uh, been interesting to see. Um, so I, I do expect more of a, of a catalog from other third parties than not Apple. So I think that I think the German report has been a little misunderstood. He's not really breaking any new ground. It's one of these stories that right. they do the week bef- week or two before an event where they recap all of their previous stuff. Yeah. And this is the Amazon channels approach, which has been reported on. It's the idea that Apple's not just doing a service with their original programming. They are doing that. I imagine we'll see previews of it. It may not be ready until the fall. But the other right. thing Apple's doing simultaneously uh, is pouring um, other people's content directly into the TV app, uh, which is what Amazon does. If you have Prime Video, you can add mm-hmm. on CBS yeah, so All Access and Showtime and mm-hmm. things like that. And it's all part of a unified strategy to get everybody inside the TV app, because presumably the TV app is where everything happens, including Apple's own service. So so right. German's story in Bloomberg is very much like, yeah, they're going to do that. But uh, the, that's something they could launch in two weeks, right? They could just flip the switch on that. But yeah. if their own content isn't ready until the fall, then presumably they'll have a preview or trailers or a pilot or uh, mm-hmm. maybe a show or something like that. But um, we may we, we're going to get details in a couple of weeks, but we, we may not actually see more than uh, clips of what they're working on because it takes a long time to make TV shows. I think people don't understand yeah, it, that, but like they started a year and a half ago and, and they're still not done, apparently. Well, to speak to your flip the switch thing, if you're going to test pilot this and then use all your app data to figure out um, how to sell your own services, why wouldn't you use someone else's content as a way to habituate users to the experience and get a gauge for how they're responding? Sure, and you've, then you've got them in. You've got a, an offer that gets people in the uh, in that app, where which is your whole strategy is that everything is supposed to live in that app. And they had some issues because some partners don't want to be in there. Netflix doesn't want to be. Uh, uh, sending data to Apple about what uh, people are <laughs> what watching people on Netflix. Are watching. Yeah. You know, also have yeah. to remember that in terms of Netflix and data, and I would imagine this goes for other companies too, um, Netflix's data reveals have always been very strategic. And I know that their numbers or their refusal to give you viewership numbers or viewership behavior gauges has been a point of contention, especially going up against networks and things like that. So I am sympathetic, not sympathetic, but I can see where Netflix is like, I'm not giving Apple that information because what's to stop them from using it either as leverage in negotiations or to stop them from leaking it? I mean, the more people who know things, the more likely it is that it's going to get out in a way that that you can't control or isn't to your strategic advantage. But um, if I'm Netflix, I'm getting a little bit nervous because there's a lot of people who access that who access that service on their iPads or on their phones or things like that. And how much harder is it going to get? Um, you know, they already cannot, you, you already cannot buy a subscription to Netflix through, through like the, through, through Apple TV or, or things like that. you you have to go out of your way to set up your subscription through a browser, download the app, log into the app. It's kind of a pain. Netflix doesn't <laughs> want to be considered among many competitors. Netflix wants you to just consider Netflix and Apple is a competitor in that way and wants uh, to resell you other content. And Netflix is not interested in that playing that game mm-hmm. at all. I think is a little bit different with with 
video content than apps and and to some extent music because you know and, and it obviously depends on what tv you have but if you have a smart tv that runs apps um it's pretty easy to you know switch your source without having to just I guess what I'm trying to say is that Apple TV doesn't add today that much value to my TV experience because my smart TV is smart and actually the UI works. Um, so I'm flipping through Netflix and Hulu and cable and Apple TV and Xbox in a pretty seamless way. Um, so I think it's... A, it, I hope that they recognize that the TV is not quite the same as the phone. Um, you don't, first of all, you usually have more time. You're doing things that are less pressing than what you do on your phone. Um, and you're wired that way. Do you know what I mean? Like we have been used to f- flip channels and, and change uh, source and that's why we have a remote control. There's, you know, and, and you might be happy or not and there's friction or not, but there's a lot there even coming from, from, uh, cable providers that with voice input and so forth. It is actually much easier today than it was five years ago. Um, which is, I think, why, you know, their push around Apple TV the box um, has not quite worked because they were, oh, we're going to reinvent television. Well, they they didn't really um, because people didn't think necessarily that it needed to be reinvented because the the target audience of people that they were after had smart TVs for the great part and, and, you know, and and navigated them in in a way that was okay to them. So coming at this from... The exact opposite angle. My my television is thirteen years old. I I just did the math in my head, <laughs> and so it's it's flat screen, but it's not smart. And we haven't upgraded or replaced it because it still works fine for what it's supposed to do, which is you know, put pictures on when I want it to. Um, it's a screen. It's a it's a big screen in my living room, and I have loved having an Apple TV because it's an easy way for me to put up my Amazon Prime content that. I subscribe to, or my Netflix content that I subscribe to, or any one of the movies I've bought from um, from the Apple Store, or you know the iPhoto libraries that that we have. We were like, oh look at she she was adorable when she was a child, you know things like that. Um, so Apple typically does not um, go for lagging edge consumers or 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 you know cheap asses like me. <laughs> <laughs> my television works fine. I see no reason to replace it until it breaks. <laughs> but, um, you know, there might be some value if they're moving to a service market. Um, there might be some value for them to say, hey, it's not just cutting edge adopters who are comfortable dropping a lot of money on the latest and greatest because it's part of their consumer behavior or it's part of their sense of personal identification. Um there is always room at the middle and the bottom of the market too. And this could be a great opportunity for them, especially as cord cutting sentiment 
gains more traction. And, you know, to get back to the bundles thing, I was thinking the greatest competitive advantage of a bundle is if you can give consumers the perception that they're getting a great value or they're getting something for nothing. Right. It's it's a great way to hook them. And then after a year or two, you're like, oh, we're going to take this. And you're like, no, don't take it. I'll pay an extra $5 mm-hmm. a month for it because now I'm used to this thing that I didn't know I needed until it was free with everything else. And it was a freebie that I loved. Um you know, there's there's a lot of room in the middle and the bottom. And maybe Apple, although it, it's arguably a more luxury-oriented brand, especially in hardware design and the price points and things like that, services, the beauty about services is anybody can access them. Like, there's the, the, the price points are typically low enough where it's not considered a huge hit on budget. And so this opens you up to all sorts of new markets. And this is why Apple is making deals with companies. Like there was another story that um, came out this week that Mac Rumor is reporting that Apple's finalizing a deal with Roku to put AirPlay on all of the Roku products. And those are available. I just bought one for my mom for 29 bucks at Walmart. Those are available for cheap, way cheaper than an Apple TV. And exactly. we'll take any TV, yeah. uh, including yours. You guys have an Apple TV, Lisa. But like any TV do, that's got yeah. an HDMI port, you just plug Plug it in, and you can and you can uh, uh, AirPlay your Apple TV service over to it, and that is access for people who are not going to spend one hundred and fifty dollars or two hundred dollars on a box. Well, because that was going to be my question to actually to Lisa, because you know you mentioned seeing the the photos and stuff, because it's like, well, you you somewhat already see value in the ecosystem, because otherwise. I wasn't going to use Roku, but I was going to use um, Fire TV Stick. You know, that's kind of the same price, right? So you can achieve the same without having to spend 200 bucks on, on an Apple TV, which is why I think Apple went with the AirPlay push at CES mm-hmm. and continues to do so. Yeah. I remember Apple effectively killed the, mid, the mid-market digital camera because everybody's phones are... are, are are, are that, and then you're locked in with with the iPhoto software because it's a pain. In the, it's a pain in the back to migrate your photos to another service. Um, you're right. I, I do see value in the ecosystem. I also see value in saying this ecosystem has has room to grow in a couple different directions. It's not just going to be you know upper middle income tier people who have money to spend who are like, Oh, how many bundle, how many services do I need? I have Amazon prime. I have Hulu. I have Netflix. Why not Apple TV? You know? Well, it's interesting though, because I think actually your, your question, your, your sorry comment about photos makes me think about things a bit differently. Actually, I, I don't think I'm stuck with photo because I back up everything that I take on my iPhone on Google photo. And yeah, you argue, you know, are you happy with Google seeing everything and the face recognition, whatever, you know, so you make <laughs> you you make your ethical choice first, right? It's like, I'm okay with that. Then the question becomes, how many services am I actually using on an Apple device that are not Apple services? And because I use those services, even the privacy push that Apple is using as a differentiation today, which is a real thing, right? Their devices are um, secure devices and they they do care about privacy and we are not the product um, for them. All of that is very true. But if I'm using all Google services on an Apple kit, does that still matter to me or not? And then how long is it going to take before I question whether or not the value that I think I have is real? So I think it's an interesting time 
And this wraps back around to the home field advantage idea that uh, offering a bundle as a platform owner that includes a so- all sorts of stuff like backup uh, storage that you that you can't really provide if you're not the platform owner, at least the way that they've structured it, um, gives them another advantage too. You're in the bundle, you're in the ecosystem that much tighter. That's more cement for you in the ecosystem. Um, Absolutely. All right, well, oh, yeah. we, we, I suspect we're going to keep talking about this subject. Um, I do want to, before <laughs> we go, I wanted uh, really quickly, Carolina, you wrote a piece on Tech Pinions this week about Captain Marvel and uh, how Captain Marvel contains some lessons about uh, women in the workplace, in the tech industry. And I suppose we should probably go light on spoilers for those who haven't seen it. It's a good movie. You should check it out. But uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your just, I mean, really quickly, I I thought it was a really cool story about how Captain Marvel ties in Mm -hmm. with uh, with what you're thinking about this. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I didn't go to look for it. And I think I've been pretty good in the piece not to give Mm -hmm. any spoilers. Um, but there were three things that spoke out to me. One, there's a lot of women supporting women in, in the, in the movie. And I was drawing parallel to the workplace. And so having more women support women, amplify our voices and not thinking that because there are so few seats at the table, we need to mm-hmm. fight over ourselves, um, uh, to get there. Um, and then uh, another part was about feelings and how, um, in the movie, this is a recurrent thing and how, you know, feelings are supposed to be bad at work, mostly because a lot of men, especially mm-hmm. bosses, don't know how to deal with them. So you're not supposed to have any. Um, and I make the point that actually emotional intelligence at work is critical. Um, especially if you're a manager. And if we are going into an AI world, Emotionally intelligent has to play a role. And more importantly, we need to get our workplace right now um, before we take the problems that we have today and we use them to train machines for the future. Um, and then um, uh, I forgot what the third point was. It was so interesting. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, and, and I think that... Oh, the- it was, it, did you get to the point where you talk about how you've got to... Um, uh, how you've got to be confident in your own power. Right. And that's the third point is, mm-hmm. is being, you know, we always very good at, uh, which is the right thing to do to give thanks to our sponsors and supporters and people that, uh, you know, help us through our careers. But we are maybe less as, as women are less uh, ready uh, to look at our own strength and, and see what our own strength allows us to do. So, yeah. No, I really enjoyed the piece. It was a it was a lovely read. Yeah, without Thank without you. spoiling the movie, it is the relationship between um, Captain Marvel and uh, and Jude Law's character is it, it's it very definitely there is a character arc there about how it starts out as a <sighs> traditional kind of master mentor mentee yeah master yeah. apprentice relationship mentor mentee relationship and mm-hmm. he's giving her advice to you know uh withhold restrain your emotions and all of that yeah. and then her story mm-hmm. arc and her powers and too. her pa- and and absolutely yeah. and her story arc in the movie again without giving anything away but just to say um it is more complicated than that and there is a question of like is he trying to mentor me or is he just trying to keep me under his control and that yep, is and keep his job yeah exactly yeah. right <laughs> exactly right it's it was uh, I, having seen that this weekend i thought that was a really great essay um oh, before yes. we go 
I want to uh, share, uh, although that was almost a fuzzy puppy update unto itself, a fuzzy uh, superhero <laughs> update. Uh, I will give you two really quick fuzzy puppy updates um, in today in puppy news. Uh, the the singer Pink uh, was touring and she was in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, Nashville Humane uh, Society brought puppies ba- backstage at the show for uh, Pink and her kids to play with. And uh, you know what happened next is that they adopted one of the puppies uh, and named it Nash, short for Nashville. Adorable little puppy. And then the other story is from our friend, uh, Listener Bob. Uh, Listener Bob wrote in with a link to a story about a dog that was spotted in Scotland by a Maritime and Coast Guard crew on the snowy mountains of of uh, northeastern Scotland, and uh, it was kind of stuck uh, up in the snow. And so they, they flew down, uh, and they lowered a guy down onto the ground who scooped up the dog, who was very cold and scared, and uh, took the dog back home. And it turned out he had been missing for two days out in the mountains and uh and was re- has recovered from exposure and been reunited from its owner and that is also an adorable dog so i'll put links to the adorable dogs in the show notes because i always do uh that's why we're here is to provide you with fuzzy puppy information and that brings us to the end of this edition of download i would like to thank my guests for being here lisa schmeiser thank you so much where can people find you and your stuff on the internet i would start at um my Twitter account, and that's L S C H M E I S E R. Excellent. And Carolina Milanese, thank you so much. Where can people find you and your stuff? Thank you for having me. They can find me on Twitter at Caro underscore Milanese, M I L A N E S I, although I think it's easier than your last name, Lisa. <laughs> so I always feel better. Um, and then they can find me at Tech opinions.com usually every wednesday um but i try and do more and uh, i want to be a guest the next time when i have a new website that i'm working on Ooh. that i will uh tell you more about it yeah let me know Ooh, let me know we'll, wait to hear. We'll, we'll do that uh all right and that is it for me too i have been your host jason snell thank you all for listening to download this week and until next week we will keep watching those headlines so you don't have to goodbye everybody <laughs>